Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for their continued support of everything we do right here on According to Flint, and this episode features my good friend Cord McCoy. Not an all-time PBR great, but an all-time PBR great guy. We used to call him the Riding Redhead, one of my favorite guys. Cord McCoy, enjoy my time with him, but first, a little message from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to episode number 43 of According to Flint, as promised, the riding redhead himself, Cord McCoy, 43, it, it, it 43. only took, yeah, it only took 86 weeks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether I say, thank, thank you so much, you're like, hey, what, what took you so long, like, I got, uh, yeah, there, there, there's lots of material between me and you that, like, have we went through it all yet? It's kind of like traveling with somebody that you know everything about, it's like, what do you even talk about? Yeah, but I was waiting for you to get famous. But uh, okay, it's time. It's that yeah. cords, cords bulls made him famous. Let's have him. On. Whatever it takes. Hey, I didn't tell you this when we uh, started. When when you got on, we visited a little bit before we yeah. started recording, which uh, we always do. But I didn't tell you this. As we do this, it is snowmageddon in Montana. It is as bad a blizzard as I've ever seen you, right you now. Told me that yesterday. And then there was tornadoes here in Atoka County yesterday. So I'm like, you, you, you six one after the what? Do you, what, do you, what do you want? You want uh, a snowstorm? Or you want a tornado? Like, it's a, it's yeah. it's everywhere. We're still functioning in Montana, but uh, it's funny. And you're a rancher, so you get it. Uh, a lot of Montana has been under a extreme drought. Southeast Montana, uh, from here in Billings, where we are. And it's funny. Uh, there was a joke the other day that's kind of a sad joke that. It's a shame you wish for a cow killing blizzard to get moisture to save your cow herd. Right. You know? and, but you yeah. guys deal with that too. How, it, how we are, are things in Oklahoma? Are you guys good? Everything all right? Well, I, I guess the, uh, the Oklahoma is kind of almost uh, different in a little ways. I guess Western Oklahoma has kind of been in a drought and it's been real bad. Where I live in Eastern Oklahoma, like we've got flooding problems. So we're, we're getting, we're getting all their rain. Um, you know, it's, which for us, we don't have a, 
a covered indoor arena, all those young bulls that need trained up, you know, if it's a mud hole, you know, it, it, it shuts things down. You know, we're just, yeah. just feeding stuff. And, you know, yesterday we're trying to uh, dry off the arena enough to get back to practicing. And, you know, it's, it's funny, me and my little three-year-old daughter's out in the, the, the yard watching the tornadoes. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do for fun, seem like. Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> a little, little daddy-daughter time watching the oh, tornadoes yeah. roll by. <laughs> It's so romantic. <laughs> um, well, I missed you this past weekend, and and I'll, I'll get to some of your bulls, but I missed you in Tacoma, Washington. Saw you in Everett, but I came home to a college rodeo. It was actually two in one weekend for my girls. Right. And uh, now here's the problem. When you take weekend off and I go watch my daughters, now I want this weekend off. <laughs> now it's hard to – it's hard because I should have introduced you as Tulsa's dad. Yeah, yeah, nothing by anymore. So I mean, I I understand, I understand. Not only that, but like you, you get such in a routine of like you know this happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is what happened Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, then they throw a Wednesday performance in there in you know no man's land, Washington, and you you find yourself there, and you talk about screw up your time zone, screw up your week of like what in the world is going on here? Is it is it ever going to end? It feels like a you know a six perf weekend. Yeah. Did you ever think uh, going into this season, I looked at the schedule and said, wow, midweek in Everett, Washington, I can go to that, come home for that. Cause I had scheduled this pat that weekend off for since December. Right. But did you ever think a Wednesday night in Everett, Washington would be one of the wildest full crowds? I, I, I got to tell you with all due respect to everywhere else, that was as fun a performance as I've done in a while. It was crazy. I, I who would have dreamed? It was. You know, the the funny thing is, I, I think those bulls really do like feed off the crowd a little bit. And when you think that, I've got a bull that's been from New York City to South Texas, all over the country. Where you take your for 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 bucket bowl of the year, you take your top six outs uh, to the world finals, and then they add those other two besides your world champion. The, the crowd was so intense. I kind of joked about it that I don't think Solo knows it's Wednesday. And, you know, I had one of his top six performances right there on a Wednesday night in Everett, Washington. I mean, who would have who would have saw that coming? But uh, it was it was it was intense. And I think I think the people and especially the animals feed off of that. It's uh, it, it's it's good. Yeah, we took we joked about I'd, I the next day. I'm like, is it only freaking Thursday? What what am I doing? Like, I, I was completely lost. That's part of our job. I. Rodeo on, I'm sure for you was the same way. You start trying to figure out what day it is and, you know, fans and stuff picture rodeo on a weekend, always on a weekend. But when you get rolling, especially winter, you never know. I I got some coming up. I'm going to Clovis, California and same. Yeah, rodeo calendars, it's, it's like you just, you know, uh, you know, July 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. You never look at Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, you know, that's kind of how the, the, the rodeo calendar is laid out. It's not days of the week. It is actually the, the date. What day are you up at Cheyenne? You know, what day are you out in yeah. Salina? Uh, yeah. You, I, you get, I, you get for, this is how, this is how the rodeo business works. I had a friend of mine, my hometown a couple of weeks ago say, so you guys about ready to kick off your uh, season, get busy. <laughs> Yeah. 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 We haven't done anything. You think when you're riding bulls, you could, you could never travel more. You could never go to more events. And then, you know, when then we start the 2022 season, I do new year's Eve in Fort Worth. I, then I fly to Indianapolis for January one, drive back home, 
drive to New York, drive to Chicago. And I mean, going back and forth from the house, drive to Milwaukee, you know, just get back home from Tacoma. This is every weekend. Yes, I, I change bulls and switch bulls around every week, you know, working on their schedule. But uh, to keep the bulls fresh, I feel like I wear myself out with travel. So uh, I, I've traveled more this year than probably the amazing race to go all the way around the world. I haven't figured out that exact mileage, but it feels like it. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I have a lot of people will say, well, this PBR thing's got to be easier on you with less travel. And I th- I did more performances rodeoing and I had to drive, but the sanity of it, I think what gets me is doing one, getting on an airplane, going home, getting on an airplane. I think the airplane thing is probably harder on me because yeah. when I'm, when I was rodeoing, I'd hop in the motorhome or whatever, go to the next one and stay there a week. Right. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I can't decide. Yeah. I, th- I think traveling even uh, for me now, of course, when the bulls are not on the trailer, if it, if it's, 10 hours or left less i still drive i mean that's that's the the airport the dealing with uh having to be the uh you know security that much early and dealing with uh flight changes and everything else if it's 10 hours or less i just didn't drive it anyways i mean that's that's how bad the airport is i think i think people should know that we discuss it in our locker room we're gonna have it right now there is a cutoff time of when you drive and when you fly Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota for me is right on. Oh, it's like nine and a half hours. And I just yeah. didn't want to drive. I didn't want to drive. So I flew, but, but it's still, I mean, there is that time. Now I, there's guys out there like Frank Newsom. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drive me in a web. We're just going to hop yeah. in. Well, how far is it? It's about 14 hours. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But wait, we're not all built like Frank Newsom. No, no, I, I don't even aspire to try. Matter of fact, <laughs> hey, were you a college rodeo guy? I was thinking of oh, you this weekend when I was at the college rodeo. Where'd you go? Uh, Southwestern Oklahoma State. So, Swaz- like Swazoo. Yeah, Swazoo. I'm bulldog. Hey, I got plenty of college rodeo stories. So they have this uh, Brandy the bulldog, and you know I got this this idea. Uh, what, what to back up? They're having tryouts for the mascot for Brandy the bulldog, and I see the ad or whatever, and I was like. Oh my goodness, would this not be the funnest thing? So a buddy of mine, he videoed it and I talked to him to let me be uh, Brandy the Bulldog for one basketball game. So you like, you're in this, this outfit and nobody knows who you are. So you go into the crowd and do anything you want for one night and nobody knows about it. And my, my buddy videoed it from the crowd. It was the, it was the funnest thing. So every kind of like little, you know, break dance or smirk or joke that you thought you could do before and nobody would know about it. Like I, I did that one night. So later uh, we had our, our Swasu rodeo, uh, uh, event there at Weatherford, and I, I dressed up as the bulldog, and of course, you know, riding the grand entry or whatever, do the whole thing. But the bad thing is, like, there's uh, some jokesters back there throwing rocks at my horse as I was in the brandy suit. Everybody <laughs> up, and you can't see anything in the brandy suit. It got, yeah, it, it was more dangerous than the bronc ride, I think. I know nothing about dressing up and going in the crowd, and nobody knows who you are. But everybody knows who you are. But like for one night, like I was, I was a one night stand kind of deal. It was. It was not like I didn't want the job, but they had tryouts and I talked him into letting me be the Brandy, the Bulldog one night at a basketball game. So when I, when I was a kid, that was when uh, the San Diego chicken was kind of the original like mascot that traveled around. And that's what I, I was intrigued by that. I think that's kind of 
a little bit of what led to what I do is that stuff kills me. So Brandy, the bull, the Swazu bulldog. Yep. That's yeah. Now I got, I get, now I know. Now I know. What day, man. The day. That, that, was, that was pre Facebook. That was like, you could do anything. And like, it's probably on a VHS tape somewhere that uh, nobody can find, but yeah, it was, it, it was, it was fun at the time. Did you do every single event in college rodeo? I did. So uh, I, I thought I, I felt more value since I did bareback, saddle broncs, and bulls. But then you get to college, they have a practice pen, they have free calves, they have people to load them, they have people to, to untie them and everything. So, of course, like I'm roping calves, bulldogging, team roping, you know, every, every event that they had. But I would seriously go to the events with a, a, a rigging bag. I could borrow a better horse than I ever owned to start with. I can actually come one spot from making the college national finals in the team roping healing. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I did, but I did every event in rodeo. The bulldogging got so dangerous for me though. I would wear my protective vest. I'd ride my bronc and now I would leave my boots on that would slip off and I'd leave my protective vest on. Cause those steers kept hitting my ribs so hard. <laughs> it hurt. Now they had me gunshot, but I knew they had a slippery saddle and I was going to bail every time. Even if it looked like Monty Hawkeye Henson, I was not going to ride that crazy horse to the other end of the ring like i was bailing <laughs> that's Seriously. the word people don't know that's the place you don't want to ride that horse to no and horse all these rodeos in the central plains region they're huge big outdoor like uh hayes and i mean they're they're either really big or like nfr style so you you want to bail like and i, I would even they would they would train me like how, how to like score those cattle and i would i'd back my horse up and i'd give him some rain he'd step forward and back up and give him some rain well, the last time I would drop my hand and that horse wouldn't move, I would nod my head because I wouldn't have to read the steer. Like that horse would hear the gates and we'd bow, we were, we were gone. Break out or, or long, we were jumping off. I was not riding. <laughs> Where was the college national finals when you were in school? Uh, Casper. Oh, it wasn't. It was yep. there. I couldn't remember how old. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I love the college rodeo scene because you get – as a parent and as watching the kids, parents are no longer allowed to be down by the arena. So all those parents with clipboards and visors, it drives them crazy. They're just not me. I yeah. like it. I just <laughs> lounge around. Well, Hey, what was your major? What'd you take in college? Business marketing. I, I, I always joked that it, it never, it never helped my bull riding. So I, I, I graduated. I got me a degree. And the, the sad thing about it is I, I wasn't going to go finish college. Um, I'd, I'd done my four years. I liked about oh, 14 more hours. And uh, a bull stepped on my arm about two weeks before the, the next semester of school started. I, I wasn't going to go back. Like I was, I was going to rodeo, but I broke my arm and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just go, go finish. And I was so thankful that I finished and, you know, got my degree. I have a, my daughter graduated with a marketing degree. I believe Logan, who's running the camera right now, graduated in marketing. I would think that's a valuable thing in the business you're in now. Though with your bull business, don't you find yourself probably using some of those thoughts that you took from college? Yes. And, and I, I tell you what you, until now you don't really realize how short your professional career is. And, and I, I, I guess now, now we're going back into this coaching thing. You want to coach these guys into, to being the best they can be. You don't want them to get off track. Just, just focus on riding bulls. That's it. But then the other thing you get the, the, the business aspect that you and I look at now of like, hey, these guys need to be preparing for something because you don't realize how short your little, you know, professional bull riding career is until it's over. And you're like, crap, man, I should have done X, Y, and Z, you know, and, and we really don't have somebody to, 
to help them so much with that. You know, even if you have an agent, it's, uh, you know, they just, you know, one season at a time, they're not looking at the, the rest of your life. Is that something we could do better? Like, so you're a, you're a coach in this, in the teams thing. Right. Of, right. What's your, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma freedom, the freedom. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think, is that something you guys talk about that <clears throat> instead of just gathering bull riders and have this team concept, let's provide them something else besides what they've got in the past. Is that a discussion? That, that's kind of a fine line though. I mean, because it, as, as I'm a coach, you know, uh, I, I just, just want them to focus on bull riding. Like I don't want you any other thought than, than bull riding, but you know, and then, uh, as man, you just mentioned, you know, life goes on and, you know, so, sometimes the best things in life actually come after bull riding. Uh, so just having those guys preparing for it a little bit. And it, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough deal. When you start for as long as you can remember from the time I was wearing diapers, to 32 years old, there was one goal I had in life was to, to ride bulls, to ride and rodeo, to be a professional cowboy. And then you hit this wall of like, you know, what, what's next? I mean, you had no other thought in life. Uh, so it, there's, there's, there's a tough time in life when guys have to think of something else to do in life that you can enjoy and love as much as, you know, the time and the effort that you put into bull riding. When, when you talk about your main goal in life, were you, were you a as good a bronc rider as you were a bull rider? What do you I, think? I, I, I felt like I was. I, I felt like uh, bull, or the, the, the bronc riding was the hardest thing for me to pick up. In 2004, actually, I was riding in the short round of a PRCA rodeo at Oklahoma City. Uh, I got bucked off the back of the saddle bronc course, and he kicked me in the head and crushed my skull. At that time, I thought saddle bronc riding was my best event. Um, you know, in my, my rookie year in the PRCA, I thought I'm, I'm doing like everybody else I'm going West for the summer. And, you know, and I, I get out there and I get entered in the bareback riding at, at Cheyenne and Nap and all that. And I, I can't get entered a bronc ride in the, in the, in the bull riding. Um, you know, I, I, I come back home and ride at the, the more local rodeos, you could say, but, uh, bronc riding was probably my, my, my best event, but I think Nampa's coming up. I think I made the short run of the bareback riding at Nampa. My, my brother Jet won the short round is Cheyenne and the bareback riding. I mean, like the, the other events were probably my better events, but when it came down to it, there was more money in bull riding. You know, if you, if you're, yeah. if you're going one, there's more money in bull riding. And, you know, and I'd never seen anybody ride a bronc with a helmet. And, you know, after I got hurt, I had to wear a helmet. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just ride bulls. You know, next thing I know, I made the NFR and I thought, well, I'm just going to ride bulls. I'll go to the PBR. You know, that's where all the money's at. Yeah. I, people who are bull riding fans or, new to rodeo talk about bull riding and it's crazy it's so tough on these guys i don't care what anybody says bareback riding it oh, tough on the body yes uh, you know even even if you watch those guys that are like if you're 90 points in the bull riding and you land on your feet it does not hurt if you're 90 points in the bareback riding and win first it still hurts i'm telling you and it, it's something like to you know, prepare your body for it. Like you take six months off, then start riding bareback horse again. There's muscles. They don't have machines in the gym for that, that it, it, it hurts. And you see them, you know, use machines on their arm and two rolls of tape. Uh, it, it, it's not because it looks cool. It, cause it hurts. You know, it's funny. Your quote about bareback riding and bull riding almost verbatim to what Ty Murray said. He said, man, you can be 90 in the bull riding and it's a dance. The power's gone. And 
you can make the greatest bareback ride you've ever made in your life and you feel like you're going to die. So yeah. you're accurate there. Yeah. See, you, you said the same thing as Ty Murray. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So you, you talked about your accident you had, and you and I have talked about it before um, getting kicked in the head. You were, you were in a coma, weren't you? It was a, it was way, you, you skimmed over it a little way worse than. I skimmed the, the worst accident because I don't remember it. I literally have to tell you what other people told me. I mean, yeah, it was bad. They, they didn't know I was going to live to start with. And, and it, it, it was a blessing in disguise. Let's say the rodeos that I was to right before that, I think I was in the St. T. Quebec, Canada. Then I went to flew to Florida and I just happened to be a Saturday afternoon performance for the championship round in Oklahoma city, you know, within, uh, you know, 10 miles of the best medical hospital in the world. There just happened to be a, a Justin sports medicine team there that, you know, that, that knew exactly what happened. They knew how to call it in. They knew what to do. They, and they did surgery on me within minutes of the actual accident. I mean, it was best case scenario, I guess, if that's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it like caved my skull in and, smushed my brain so they scout me and pulled the skull back off my brain and they even they drilled about a nickel sized hole above my left ear to relieve pressure my my brain was just swelling so much and uh you know I, I just gotta tell the story of what other people said i was in the induced coma for a week and they didn't know if i was going to live to start with and then when i woke up they told my parents they didn't think i would, would even be mentally stable uh well, at least they were right on that yeah at least well, they got that one right <laughs> remember what i forgot so like it is i guess i guess it's good you know you don't you don't remember what was bad but uh it, it, it was a it was a scary deal you know even they had these uh therapy people come in there and you know the you talk about the depression i mean I think that was the the worst thing that they were worried about and i was at pinnacle rehabilitation center and you know the, the guy next to me had had a stroke and then all these the, all the whole row of the the rehabilitation center was bad and it didn't take long to look around and say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be alive. I wasn't worried about, you know, bronc riding, bull riding, you know, girlfriend, nothing. Like I had that sense of like, man, I, like I survived. Like, you, you know, you just went through a car wreck and I'm not supposed to be here. And, uh, you know, that was, that was the, the appreciation, I guess, that uh, you're just glad to still be alive. You've kind of indicated to me and even here about who you are, um, you know, I, I've jokingly said, and I hope you take it as a compliment. I introduced you not long ago at a tour and said, Cord McCoy is the, the most popular middle of the road bull rider we've ever had in the PPR. Yeah, I, I take it. I take it. Um, but you've told me that, that, that being thankful, it really shined a light on, man, we got to appreciate every day. Do you, oh, yeah. would, would you say that it fundamentally changed you or i mean before the accident were you asshole cord mccoy or i mean what what do you think i i thought i thought i thought the exact same that, that you're talking about you know because i remember i was a you know a junior in high school and i thought i was the baddest cat in the land i mean i could i could ride anything uh and I, I, I broke my leg broke my femur uh and still ended up winning state three times i, I think there there's certain turns in life that kind of make you who you are today. And I, I never even made it on the PBR tour until I was 26 years old. And when I look at that today, I, I see the little 18 year old guys come on there and I'm like, I'm so glad I was not tempted with what they have. I don't know that I would handle it as well as I do today. 
you know, and uh, you, you learn later in life to just to take crumbs and, and make the best out of it. But uh, I think my, my accidents, injuries, experiences kind of made me who I am today. So I, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even take those away. Like if I could, if I could look back and say, you know, don't do, don't do X, Y, and Z, uh, I, I wouldn't take the injury, injuries away. Because maybe who I am today has gave me a whole sense of appreciation. And, and do I look back at pro bull stats and see that I rode 60% before I, I crushed my skull and think, man, I could, I could be a, a famous world champion today. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think about that, but also don't think I would, you know, have what I have today and be the person I am. And, you know, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of it back. Uh, I've said this on a few, probably more than one of these. I tell my girls all the time, you, you can be successful in the arena, but that what people re, will remember is how you treat them outside the arena. And oh, yeah. you, uh, uh, when I do say the greatest mediocre bull rider in the history of the PBR, that's such a compliment in my book. That's such a compliment because you have, you've been a, a face of things. You still fly around and do PR. It's such a good example to kids to say that, that's what people will remember. It's hard to get that through to some of the little oh, it, but, turds. But still today, the opportunities that I get, a lot of it is just come from, from friendship and, uh, you know, the, and the, the, the personality or what you, what you have built yourself, you know, being good to one person. And the next thing you know, they have an opportunity of like, Hey, there's another opportunity coming up. Have you, have you talked to Cord? That's a really nice guy. This, this will do something. I mean, I don't think the young guys realize when you get off the plane, you know, your, your, your job started right there. I mean, it, it is a, uh, it, it's a job. It's not just the eight seconds, but the doors that you can open yourself, the opportunities that you can get, you know, even later when you retire from riding bulls uh, that I've already, I've already built a relationship with all these people. And in one phone call, you know, I can get X, Y, and Z done. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's not just, eight seconds in the arena, not and just don't throw your bull rope. There's a lot of other things that you can, you know, build relationships with people that will last forever. What was your best finish ever in the PBR in a season? Best finish. Uh, I don't know. I think I was, I was top five early in the year one time. And I think that was probably the, the, the best I was at one time. Uh, you know, the, the crazy thing about it, and you got to think about it in this coaching side a little bit. I finished in the top 10 of the PBR world finals. Uh, the year that I got on Bushwhacker and Asteroid, both at the PBR World Finals. And the funny thing about that was I, I, I probably had no chance of riding either one of them. I'm not going to kid you that. But those other bulls felt so slow and easy compared to those two. You know, it's, it's probably the idea of you, you see a, a, a baseball come 95 mile an hour. You know, it makes the 88 look slow. And, the, and it's that, that mindset of, uh, you know, I, I done sweat plump through Bushwhacker. I remember when I got on Bushwhacker. They seriously introduced the 45 bull riders. We're out there and they're fixing to do the national anthem. And then they show 10 videos of Bushwhacker almost killing people for like five minutes. It felt like, and I've got to sit there and watch the bull I'm fixing it on in 30 minutes. You know, that, so he, he had that, that hype and everything. But, you know, the next day I've got, I've got just another long round bull. We're at the PBR World Finals. There's no easy bulls there. Right. But when you everything to that level, yeah, it, it slows down a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, it's... Uh... You get you get on those. The rest of them seem easy. And at the PBR finals, if you buck off two and ride the rest of them, yeah. you're you're in good shape there. Yeah, and I, I think about that. Everybody has that argument. You remember JB Mooney picked Bushwhacker ten times, 
And now I, now I feel like, okay, I've, I've been through this. I know what Bushwhacker feels like. And then the others feels like, and maybe every time that he would uh, pick Bushwhacker, it dialed everything else he got on easy. You know what I mean? Cause we, we know they took him 11 times riding, but every time he got on it, probably the next pull he got on felt, you know, slower. So a lot of people are like, Oh, if he, if he had done X, Y, and Z, you know, he would have done better. Not, not pick Bushwhacker, but you know, I didn't ride Bushwhacker, uh, 2.7 seconds, but I think it, it helped the week. I'm going to use that. I'm going to pretend that I came up with that. Here's the yeah. deal with JB Mooney on Bushwhacker. I'm going to, and then I'll say Van Cord McCoy. Yeah, Cord said that. Well, uh, I don't know if I really made Bushwhacker look that good, but it's still Bushwhacker's highest mark score ever is when I got on it. So either I really made uh, him look good or <laughs> I, but the, the, the thing about the Bulls though, uh, the, the biggest press conference I've ever been in was when I got on Bushwhacker. And, and for the simple matter is just people want to know what it felt like. It, it's, it, and I, I say it all the time. It's like playing one-on-one basketball with Michael Jordan. You know, what was it like, you know, to, to sit on him and to, to feel him buck? Uh, you know, I, I, I tell people it's like getting on a, uh, a roller coaster because he leaves there. It feels slow. It's like tick, 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 tick. And that was the last time I seen him. <laughs> when he went like that. I think he went right. I'm not real sure. I never seen him again. We'll look for the, we'll look for the video. We'll look yeah. for the video of it. Um, what I look back on because I did the NFR a bunch of times and I look back at rosters and it's surprising how much I don't remember. What year did you make the NFR? Uh, the last time you were there. Oh five. Oh five. Look at that. I isn't that funny? There's so many people. You know, I forget Paulo Crimber. Yep. He won the average at the NFR. Yep. Yep. And, yep. Yep. You know, that's, there was a uh, Matt Austin. I think, you know, I, I rode against him that year when he broke all those records and, and to travel up and down the road, maybe one of the best seasons that I've ever seen anybody have. And, I, and I've seen JB have stingers, McBride have stingers. I, I was a little late on, on Adriano. Uh, Glammy, I'm going to say the best five years together. I mean, to, to stay what he is for that long, uh, but that Matt Austin one year, uh, he, he, they just couldn't, they couldn't throw him off. And I, I'd have to dig up the stats to see it exactly, you know, what happened, but you know, they, they couldn't, they couldn't throw him off. And yeah, that was one of the best years I ever seen rodeo on Matt Austin. He had the glasses, right? He had oh glasses. yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And it's, it's kind of one of those, you, you, then the guy takes your money every week and then you watch how he like is practicing back there before he gets ready. And you, then you go home and try to like, man, if I, I do, I do like Matt Austin. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do this. He had his own, he had his own gimmick. And he isn't working. Uh, yeah. I remember Matt, man, he could, you always look back and go, man, I remember that guy. What happened to him? You know, it's a lot of guys won and did their thing and don't yeah. hear much about him, you know? Um, so. It is. I mean, if, is, is there like, is there some goal that they went to and then after they reached it and it's like, Phew, you know, I did it you know, what, what, what's next. And then and some guys just the continue the, the drive of like, I still don't have enough. I still don't have enough, you know, and that's when you get the, uh, you know, the Jose's, the Glaramies, the, you know, McBride's, wh- whatever that is to do it once is one, but to continue the grind and get the same reward out of it is a whole nother. I don't know. For some reason, I admire those guys that are so good and then can walk away for one. It indicates to me, that they're, they're prepared and have something in life to walk to. Right. I don't know. I've always admired that. See you later. You know, thank you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. And it, I think uh, McBride is the same deal just to, to be the, 
best in the world uh, and just say, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something else. That, that is really cool. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like I had that opportunity. I, I was so blessed to be able to walk away from bull riding, being not be forced into retirement like several of the other guys I've seen. But for me, it was either I needed to either go down a level, go to some open rodeos or quit. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find it in my, my mind to, uh, to, to step down a level. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quit here. You know, yeah. maybe I wasn't That's- good enough more, but I wasn't going to go somewhere else. Absolutely not. I, I, and I hope people understand that, that I, I feel the same way, but okay. So I don't think I've ever, you and I have had probably conversations almost about everything we could and your career and the amazing race stuff that people know about, but I don't think I've ever asked you because I've got a lot of dancing with the stars stuff. And I always say, for one, I'm not a star in mainstream, whatever. But there's all those reality things, like you and your brother on Amazing Race. There had to be a whole process of who contacted you. Does it go through agents? Does an agent come to you and say, I think I'll pursue this? Explain the process yeah. of the Amazing Race. Yeah, there, there, are, there are agents that, that reach out there. Uh, but my, my brother, Jet, called me, and I don't know who – gave him the idea but i was leaving cheyenne frontier days and jet called me up and said hey i got a, i got a great idea two-man team race around the world pays a million dollars yada 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 uh you know so then then we go home we do a little 20 second video you know i'm Corbin mccoy it's my brother jet you know we're gonna win your little race around the world kind of deal and filled out the bio and sent it in um so that's that's kind of how we applied uh i, I do think that PBR rodeo, you know, the Western way of life could do a better job of, of, of feeding, uh, feeding those stars. I mean, because, you know, they, they, they know the people, they know what they act like. They know what they're going to, uh, you know, put on TV, but a lot of it is through agencies. I mean, that, that, Hey, I, I, I found this guy, he should be on desk with stars. He should be on uh, big brother, whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it should be out there. I mean, we could, we could promote our way of life better. Yeah. Um, when you guys, you have told me, it makes complete sense to me in that amazing race. And I saw it, I didn't watch it a lot, but I watched it well, because I knew you guys, you and jet, but you had a, what kind of advantage did you see because of what we talked about earlier, getting on a plane, you knew how to sleep on a plane. You knew the traveling was a big advantage to you. Yep. Yeah. That that was the beast. And I, I, I tell most of the rodeo guys, it, the amazing race is just like the 4th of July, but it don't hurt near as bad. And, and, and that's what it is. I mean, that, I think that's where people go off the handle a little bit. Cause if you haven't flown that much, you haven't rode in a car for days at a time. And it, it, you know, if it hadn't had these challenges, you know, roadblocks, detours, whatever they call them is the exact same things that we, we face in, in life already. Uh, and that's where people, they haven't slept for a couple of days and then they don't get their, their right meal and they're in, in a foreign country, foreign land. Uh, and then they have a problem. It's pretty easy to get the footage that they get. Uh, they don't have time to show how many people uh, <laughs> fly, off, fly off the handle there and there. You know, we 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 knew that. Uh, you know, if if we ever did, they'd sure use it against us. But there's some there's some people had a had a tough time with the travel. There, I remember someone said to me, "Yeah, be on that Dancing with the Stars." I said, "For one, I wouldn't be able to do it and do the PBR season right. because Dancing with the Stars." is at the same time. And the guy said that cord McCoy, he's out there doing that amazing race every week. I said, 
That was no. like eight months ago. What what was the yeah. time? What was the time frame? Yeah, th- no, that that was exactly. So, uh, well, uh, if if anybody knows, you ought to, because I I got engaged right before we took off. But the schedule fit out just right. The first time that we raced, they were going to leave uh, like November fifteenth. I did the PBR World Finals and then took a trip around the world right after that. It, it, it fit right in the exact time. Uh, even the second time, you know, we we raced in the fall because um, they, they had called me up and said, uh, "Would you would you do the race again?" And I said, "Well, yeah, for sure." You know, we, when we're leaving, and they said uh, like November tenth, and I said, "No, I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I can't. I can't race." You know, my we're we're going to the PBR World Finals. My wife, she's been scheduling this wedding, you know, for 12 months, probably 18 years of her life. You know, this is scheduled. I said, I can't do it. And uh, they called me back and said, if we left November 14th, would you go? I got married on the 13th. Oh, and I took to go around the world on November 14th. So I pretty much honeymooned with my brother, Jet, all the way around the world. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the scheduling had to work. I already had a job. I mean, I couldn't just... You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go roll the dice and see what happens, and tell the rest of my career that I'm I'm, I'm taking off. Uh, but that first time that we raced, I was still a bow-legged cowboy, about three countries in, because I was sore from the, you know, seven bulls that already got on. What you three times? You guys, you and Jet were on it three, three times. times. Yep, yep, three times. We did the Amazing Race sixteen, and then we did uh, one called Unfinished Business, Amazing Race eighteen, and then we got uh, got called back and did an All Star one. And never won the million dollars. The the U-turns got us on the last one, I guess. You know, they had uh, these these deals. If, if if other teams didn't like you or didn't want to race, they could if they got there first, they could send you on U-turns. So you had to go back and do the other other missions. So uh, U-turn. Um, so I think we got eliminated in uh, uh, Spain one time, uh, and the other time we got eliminated in Switzerland. So if, if you're going to get eliminated somewhere and be stuck somewhere for a couple of days, some pretty nice places to be stuck in. It's like getting so, stuck in, in Maui. Like, oh, no. Oh, oh. So, what, so what do you do? Hang out until you get a flight home? Yeah. They, they line it all up? Yeah, they, they still have you kind of locked in a room. But, like, you know, you know, here's here's a menu. Eat all the steaks and watch TV that you want to. So, yeah, it's it, you just stuck there until you go. They did they did have us. I don't know if they if people thought that we were going to win or what that uh, one time. But they had us fly into Florida, and, like, we would have our backpacks on, and then we, we would act like we're winning. So we would race through the airport. We're already eliminated. We race through the airport because they have all these people that are, uh, you know, trying to give the race away, you know, before it happens. And uh, so they, they'd be video us up on the Internet, acting like, you know, the Cowboys are winning, and we're racing through there. We're already eliminated, but we're just doing the decoys, I guess. Okay, so there, you, what is the penalty? I, I always used to laugh that you absolutely cannot tell if you oh. win or lose, but that, but that one guy that catches yeah. you, do you win that you, that's the guy you're going to tell. Yeah. Like, so who knew? Yeah. Who, it was like, it's like 10, 10 million bucks or something. But the first time, if you watch the amazing race 16, uh, you know, why me and Jet wouldn't tell nobody. <laughs> you sure wasn't going to tell you who, who beat you and who won the million bucks. Like you didn't want her to know ever, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the second, third time is like the first phone call is as soon as you get your phone back, you're like, hey, Sarah, don't spend any money. We didn't win. <laughs> you know, you're like, whoa, 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 we didn't win. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, there's there's huge penalty. You know, the funny thing about it is uh, so when you when you sign up for the amazing race, you have to turn in all the contracts that you've already signed. And even CBS is like, did you look at these contracts that you're under already? You know, it's, you know, it's a whole whole nother deal. But uh, yeah, they, they, they're going to get you for 10 million. I was like, best of luck finding the 10 million bucks for me, me snitching. So that's the penalty for telling. 
If they yeah. find out you told it, it's $10 million. Yeah, that, it maybe affect the show that much or something. So I was like, yeah. But yeah. We, we, you, should, you don't get in a hurry to tell people that you lost, other than your wife, because don't spend a half million dollars because we ain't got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, again, it goes back to what we talked about, uh, who you are with marketing and PR uh, using, you know, being a good person and being popular. Right. You guys, I had friends going, man, the Cowboys, that, that everybody, we get together and watch the Amazing Race because we're watching the Cowboys. I said, oh, Gordon, you know yeah. those guys? Well, hell yeah, I know those guys. Again, yeah. you we, kept no, getting I, in. I would have gotten engaged if it wasn't for you because when we, we set up this, this show that uh, you do outside the barrel that, you know, I'm going to get engaged on your show. I was so nervous. I think I would have backed out if you wouldn't have just plumb pushed me into it. So, uh <laughs> Holy crap! I forgot about that. Yeah, you forgot about that. Oh, no, I had well, I had the a ring in my boots, and you finally was like, "Yeah, Cord, do you have something that you need to ask Sarah?" And I was like, "Well, uh, I didn't think he was going to ask, but yeah." I yeah. mean, I didn't. Now that you you know, when when you bring it up, I went, "Oh yeah, shoot, I'm yeah. A, I'm ingrained in your family." Yeah, you are. Yeah, you you push me over the edge. Practically, I'm practically family. Uh, you know when you got out of bull riding and there the sad reality is there are a lot of people that have great rodeo careers or bull riding careers and retire with nothing and are lost like you said you've got to find some to fill that 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 gap right there that has brought you that rush or joy or whatever it is they sit you know i talk about you transitioned so well um into the bull business, but really it was kind of assimilation. You didn't start from scratch because your dad was around quite a while, correct? Right. There was a business there. You've just now taken it. Am I on the right track? Even, yeah, even to the extent of like in uh, in high school, like my FFA program was raising buck and bulls. So I won Southeast District Star Agribusinessman with my bucking bull business. Like it wasn't like, oh, Accord retired. And then he just up and decided that he was going to do this. Like this, this started, you know, early nineties. Uh, you know, it, it finally did start developing up to where uh, the bucking bulls got more popular. There's a lot more value. You can a lot more trade in it. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to say that you just had an, an easy transition. I mean, there, there, because I, 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 I get done riding and I'm excited. Well, I'm going to raise these horses. I have a, a set of brood mares and I'm going I'm to be a horse trainer. I'm going to do whatever it else it was. And it finally, there was one night I had the, the nightlight on. I built a, I built a barn there at the, at the, our place. And I had, you know, stalls full of colts I'm riding. And now I'm telling you, I don't know, I had a whole set of Hancock colts and every night they'd, they'd buck. Every one of them would buck. And I finally, I called the local rodeo company. I said, y'all got an extra horse I can get on. Like, I'm coming to your rodeo. Uh, you know, I got, I got no fans. I got no pickup, man. I got no sports medicine. I got no EMS, you know, nobody clapping when it's over. I'm like, I'm going back to the rodeo. And I, I actually started riding Bronx again. Uh, you know, after that, I mean, I got my little bull riding helmet and put it on and went to the first, you know, little local rodeo. I, and maybe you're, you're just trying to find that, find that fix again. I mean, cause you're so used to it your whole life that, uh, you know, it, and I don't know if it's people clapping or the, the sensation of, uh, you know, accomplishing what you nod your head to do. I think it's both. I think, yeah, I, I work. I, I mean, I worry about it. You know, I'm doing this stuff, but there is a, there's that rush of bringing joy. I think it's, it's in whatever form of entertainment, you're bringing joy to those, 
to the people. And I, I would think that's part of what you were doing. You know, you yep. had that sense of bringing something to people because you're still bringing something to people. But so when the, did you make a conscious decision to go, we've had some good bulls. We've been raising bulls a long time, but man, we can, we can keep, we, we can get there. Or did it just like your, your great bull, you talk about solo, riding solo. That was part of your breeding program, correct? No, we, we scouted that bull. We found riding early. And the funny thing is like, I'd, I'd seen riding solo sire and I was just so amazed by him. I thought bar 31 was so awesome. Well, he got, he got hurt early and you know, the rest of the world never got to know him. And then we seen riding solo and he's this little old, looks like a Jersey calf with long legs, but he could jump like a deer and, you know, spin on the top and give you some change kind of deal. He was just, he was um, amazing. Uh, uh, and I had an opportunity to, to buy him and we had a couple of partners, but I couldn't get anybody talked into buying him. I'm like, like, look at him. Like, this is, this is a, a specimen. Like we finally called, uh, my, my father-in-law and, and really just, to to, to get a loan. Like, well, look, we're, we're going to buy riding solo. And he said, well, I'll just partner with you anyways. You know, so he just partnered us, uh, on riding solo and, you know, about 300,000 later then he sold his staff for about 130,000 too. So he, he, he had a home run. Uh, but we, we continued to ride it out. But what, what got me into the, the big bulls wasn't that I, I wanted to is every year I would sell my bulls to, to DNH, to KBRC, to Chad Berger. Well, a couple of years after I uh, got done with the PBR rider, you know, those guys were deciding my price and I had bulls at the PBR world finals. They were offering me like 3,500 for, it. and I was like 3,500. I said, I can haul them myself. Like, you know, why in the world am I going to say that? So I, I feel like those those top top dogs or top five uh, contractors kind of forced me into it. Like, Wait, I hold, on. hold on, I will go back to that. Yeah. So the, even though your bulls were making the PBR World Finals, they were still holding your price because because they, they had their thumb on you. I, they just had that control over you, or how? I mean, could you step up? What what was the yeah. Deal? So you, 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 would, you would breed these bulls and train them and work their way all the way up. And then, so with the classic or the ABBI, the competition, you know, they would, they would buck as four-year-olds. And that's when I was, I was letting them all go. I'd sell all those bulls. And every year, man, I'd have a big, you know, Christmas bonus kind of deal. I'd sell those bulls in November, um, you know, to either, either rodeo guys or PBR guys or, you know, whoever that may be. And that last, that last year, you know, I had three bulls at the, at the world finals and just the, the, the buyers would not, you could, you could go from one to the, the other. And then they, they know that you needed to sell them. They, they know that, you know, you're not a stock contractor. You're not doing it full time. And uh, boy, I proved them wrong. Oh, gotcha. So they just knew you're yeah. in the business of selling bulls so right. we can control your price. So you said, hell with it. I'm yeah, going to do that. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the big time bull business is part, I, I see all of them that, you know, Chad Berger and you it's part breeding program and part acquisition. Yes. I, I think I, I manage it. Uh, it's just like you manage the, the Yankees. Uh, I'm sure that you have a, a farming program of getting those best bulls up there, but if the Red Sox have got a home run hitter, like if there's any way you can get him on your team, uh that that's the way to do it. i mean i had uh you know the the top three bulls last weekend at tacoma um so blue duck we had just got him he come out of north carolina uh four-year-old he's a great bull Jerome and tiffany davis who raised him uh but i you know i had i, I got a partner there 
that he knows me. We have a relationship. He's been partners for five years and he, he wants to own a contender. Like he wants to run at that, you know, bucking bull of the year. And, and, and I made the phone call of, Hey, I found him, you know, I've seen him. I've been studying this bull, you know, here's where he's going to fit in the whole scheme of things. We need to get him. He costs a lot, but, but if this is what you want to do, this is what he's going to cost. Uh, the number two bull, a bull called cliffhanger. Uh, he'd been around for a little while. Uh, he's like seven years old, but he hadn't been bucked that many times, meaning he doesn't buck him Chad Berger hard or Jeff Robinson hard. Like he was still limited. There's a lot of life left in him. Uh, he was bucking bull of the national finals rodeo. Uh, and in that same idea, you know, the pioneer bulls, it's a group of people. They want to own a contender for bull of the year. You know, there he is. So we're, we're kind of just placing the partners in the right spot. Um, you know, but if you really just want to make a lot of money with those kids, it's, it's buying when they're yearlings and two or three years old because it's like riding solo. You know, his, his lifetime earnings are over 300000 You know, what he wins from now on is just kind of extra credit. I like the baseball. I, I'm, I'm stealing that to the baseball analogy. For, but it's right. You, you got to have your base, but you got to have that guy, that guy over there that hits it really far, you know. Um, maybe I didn't pay attention as much as I should to – a bull like riding solo or not necessarily to him, but bulls like him. I've never seen a bull that I really, uh, he was getting into the shoots. You were getting re-rides on him. I was afraid he was going to hurt himself. I've never remember a bull that figured it out, like grew up and figured it out that he's unreal. Yeah. He, he, he's a, he's a freak. I mean, I don't know how to explain that much to be, to, to, to be so calm and laid back at the ranch and then to be so extreme people are like oh why did, why does riding solo wear that halter and i'm like because he literally will jump out of the chute like i i know you still don't believe me but he can make it out of the chute like i tie him in the chute like a horse because he can make it out i mean other other bulls have different reasons for having a halter on him but uh you know if, if somebody told me i had to bet that he could or couldn't make it out of the chute I, I, I think he could jump out so we just seriously hold him still with the halter. And then when they nod, you'll hear a pop as a latch and we let him go. And it's like, it's like letting fireworks go and just hope they go in the right direction. There's been a few bulls in my career that a, a, a lot, a lot of great bulls that they do their thing. They do their thing. Mm. A bull like riding solo. I thought Bushwhacker was like that. Um, he means it. Like yeah. when he leaves, he's not going, okay, I'm going to go out here and turn back left and, you know, there's been bulls that, I mean, they mean it, but a bruiser and uh, even Wupa is so, so great. Yep. But riding solo, he ha- he knows his job. He he knows his goal is to get rid of that guy. It, so am yep. I on the right track there? So, and you even, if you watched uh, Jose get on him at, at Oklahoma City, and I, I don't think uh, solo has a clock. Meaning at eight seconds, he's still throwing new pitches at him. Like, you know, whatever I got to do to get you on the ground. It's not like, oh, you rode me past that trick. You know, we'll just finish your eight seconds. Like, he's like, I'm trying something new. And, and I think that's what's put him to the next level, even in the last 12 months. Because, you know, growing up, when Solo won all that money, all he had to do was go left right there. Well, one or two of the guys that are at the top of the game, they just got over there and rode him to the left. And Solo's like, mm, no, no, no. You know, even we watched uh, Kyler Oliver got on the other day and rode him uh in, in glendale pretty easy glendale. Well, he, next week and and solo says uh no i've seen that trick you know seven days ago I'm, i got i got to change that for you you know he i think he's thinking through it and also as a, as a bull trainer or manager you try to you try to set him up 
for for that. You know, when he faces those best guys, you know, he goes he goes to the next level. Uh, the other day, I bucked him at a, at a at a PRCA rodeo, and I was almost worried that you know if, if he thinks it's easier, he's not performing you know to that next level. Uh, you know, every time that he faces a better guy, the next time I buck him, I'm like, oh, you better watch out. I I I feel sorry for the next guy. So now the big question is apparently, and it, I'm sure it took some time bringing those great bulls. I watch you on the back of the shoots and I'll give you the, you know, the, whoo, yeah. apparently now in your life, where you are in your life, that does, you said, when you walk away from thing like bull riding, you got to find that thing that brings you that rush and that yep. joy. It's bringing you that now, isn't it? It, it, it is, uh, you know, before the bull riding starts, you know, people come up and the, the riders ask about the bulls and I literally tell them all I, that I know. And I'm like, you know what, this is the coolest sport. We have the one sport in life that both of us can win. You know, when Mason Taylor got on last week, I'm like being 95 points, like we can both win. Uh, so you, 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 you have that mindset, but kind of like you said about the, the look up when it's over, when solo has an amazing trip, you do everything you can to not clap for him and be like, great job i mean to like to humbly turn around and to tell yourself good job inside and don't celebrate it's not cool to celebrate you know <laughs> yeah i uh i you know, remember the guy getting bucked off you you're literally celebrating for the the bull did good you know he did he did his job and and i think you can do that well if anybody's proved it uh jose and Wupal, you know they they broke records together that's yeah. you know the only other sport you can do that in I, I remember you, you might've been there. Remember in Fresno, remember Ben Jones used to celebrate when he rode a bull and he got bucked off. And uh, I remember the guy jumped over the fence and danced in Ben Jones's face. I don't think he's ever been back. No, no, no. Yeah. And it, it's not a, yeah, I, I don't take offense to it that much. It's just a respect thing. You know, it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, listen, I would imagine that I'm going to see you somewhere soon. I would bet. What's that? My favorite, my favorite town's coming up. So we were at a little, uh, little after party in Tulsa one time, and I met this little blonde-headed girl, and we, we changed numbers. And so, uh, so now uh, me and my wife and my daughter, Tulsa, are going to Tulsa this weekend. So, yeah, I'll be there. Thank you for that story. And, yeah. and then you proposed to her on my show. There so you go. Now there I'm there go. for every anniversary. <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen i there are uh i always say this there's a few people when i'm on the road that i look forward to seeing you know I, there's guys i work with get people i see and i always every time i give you a yip yip or a whoop whoop we don't i, I tell everybody i told logan who helps me i said cord and i don't we really say hello or speak we just go whoop whoop yip, yep. up here yeah oh, yep. uh, yeah it's, it's like it's like it's like a hat tip and uh you know just, just respect it well, listen, you, you will always remain the most famous mediocre bull rider in the PBR, yeah. in PBR history. I, uh, I think that Albuquerque store one time was, was, uh, we signed autographs over there and this guy come up to me and he's like, Hey, I said, I, I, I remember you, uh, what, what, what's your name? What's your name? And I said, uh, Cord, Cord McCoy. Oh, you're that guy that don't ride very good. That smiles all the time. Like that, that's, that stuck with me. Like. You're the guy don't ride very good. The smiles all the time. I guess you know. You take it, take it, everything, get it. You should have put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For these days, so I'm gonna hold off. Well, listen, man, you're the best. I I appreciate the time and and conversation, and uh, 
Well, uh, it, it was an honor to finally be on your show, even if it's after 84 weeks. I'm 86 weeks. Honor, honor took, a, took me 43 episodes to have Cord McCoy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you had my cell. You didn't, you didn't have to wait that long. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs>